0: Pickers, I'm Mike Levy, and we're back for yet another episode. This one being 119. Today, we're going to talk about one of everyone's favorite things to do with their mountain bike: go on a road trip to ride in a new or at least somewhere different location. Now, I'm not sure about you guys, but some of my favorite riding memories have come from some ill-conceived road trip with a Fender Three, usually in a semi-dangerous or unreliable vehicle of some sort, and often with something or everything going wrong during the trip. Broken down trucks, broken bodies, being completely lost, and everything else that can go wrong and right when you load your bike up and hit the road. So I've got Henry Quinney, Mike Kazimer, and Ryan Palmer with me today, but before we get into road trips, we got to talk about last week's episode where a certain someone revealed to the world that they like to play music from their phone speaker while on a ride, not headphones, from the speaker. So pink bike user ajw he says what music should you listen to anything you like just as long as it's in your ears and not blaring out of your
1: speaker henry i'm in blaring okay this is okay i'm happy to cop that not everyone wants to hear my music which is fine but i try and ride up logging roads because i like to just be off the single track and just so there's like shuttle vehicles logging roads i don't meet any of the mountain bikers and this idea that, like, it's like a perfect sort of meadow and I'm there just, like, playing Metallica blasting through <laughs> a breaking speaker is <laughs> completely wrong. Like, if I ride up behind someone, they won't hear my music. I'd have to say, "Rider coming through, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and honestly, like, if probably every, say I ride, go out riding, I maybe bump into one person. I'm friendly. I say hello. I ask how they're doing. If they're offended at my music, which they hear, maybe and they it ruins their ride like that just feels like a very disproportionate response.
0: <laughs> yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Would you be I would mean, you actually, be offended, Henry, if someone if if someone was playing like loud techno music that you didn't want to hear? Honestly, and they came if it was up a
1: bluetooth speaker, I think that's fucking lame. Like if it's for anyone other than like I think some people play music like they think they're doing people a service and I I, I don't like that. But um yeah. Honestly, if like I can only just hear it, and if a car comes past me or anything, like I can't hear it. It's only, you know, if it's windy, I can't hear it. It's not like it's really, really loud. And um, yeah, I think that's completely fine. I think it's it's yeah. it's pretty pretty reasonable. Yeah, um,
0: Kaz, would you ever say anything to somebody on the trail who's playing the music super loud? Would you ever tell somebody to turn it down, or you just keep rolling? I would probably keep rolling, like unless they're yeah. I mean, because I
2: don't just I don't want to talk to anybody, <laughs> so I would just no. keep going. But I would judge them harshly in my
0: head. Yeah, you're very non-confrontational, but you would yeah. judge them in your head. That's fair. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. What about you, Palmer? Would you say something to somebody who's playing like really loud uh, Morrissey on the trail? No, definitely not.
3: <laughs> Specifically, Henry. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would let him pass in peace, and then I would judge him heavily in my head and hate him forever and ever until and, and and I would be. Sp- I would think he's a terrible person. I, don't, I actually don't think. I think Henry does it right. Like, yeah, listening to your music at a low volume. You know, nobody else can hear it. Like the the Bluetooth speaker thing where you're blaring it is obnoxious sometimes. But I have to admit that I've done it on occasion. Like, I have the Bluetooth speaker in my water bottle holder. But like in very like you know controlled environments where I'm like, yeah, I'm not gonna see anybody. Like I'm I'm way out here and I and the chances of me seeing somebody are very, very slim. That like that's what I'll sometimes play music out loud.
1: But here's a question. So if I'm out there cruising along, minding my business with music like, for example, it's probably about like halfway along the scroll of my phone speaker. So it's not it's not outrageously loud. That is I would say less um like intrusive than people shouting at each other and like <laughs> being friendly, but that's just another type Like as long as it's friendly, I yeah. don't see you know what I mean? I, I, yeah. think, I think there's, and it's going to sound really lame and a bit silly, but I think as long as 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 long as you bring like a good energy to the trails and you say hello to people, like for me, I get annoyed when people, like they don't understand that like mountain bikers, we sometimes say hello to each other if we pass each other on the fire yeah. road and that sort of thing. I think that's a far worse energy to bring than just being like, if you really try, you can hear my music. But I, I think it's, it's fine, really personally.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would agree with you, Henry. You're totally right. As long as the energy is good... Like I know that I make a lot of noise on the trail. I'm always yelling or doing something stupid. and I think I think of all the complete strangers on the side of the trail that I've passed that have been like, "What the hell was that guy doing?" Him. You know, probably more people that have been annoyed, far more people than have been annoyed by your quiet music. But, Henry, I don't mean to put you on the spot here. We have one more no, thing no, go. we're going to talk about before we get into this ad read thing. I'm going to do next. Everybody just can't wait for Please it. Please
1: just put me on the stand, Levy. Yes, for God's sake.
0: First <laughs> of all, I didn't realize this. Tony Hawk is a Pinker. So Tony Hawk five oh five. Henry, he wants to know before we hired you if we asked you if you knew that Squamish is the best place to ride. Did you know that? I don't. Maybe we well, want actually, to address.
1: I mean. I have just done the Mike Casimir and Mike Levy five-day intensive course in Squamish. And I can reveal that after merely 72 hours of programming, it is the best place I've ever ridden. Everything's perfect. I couldn't imagine it being any better. And I have no criticisms. It's 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 heaven.
0: I don't even want to know what that program was that you were on. <laughs> <laughs> just being
1: waterboarded with some monster. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, sign me up That sounds like fun <laughs> Alright, uh, we're going to get to an ad read But before we're going to get to an ad read I have to read one last comment This is from Pinkbike user Cubby uh, This was underneath podcast 118 from last week Where we talked about listening to music while riding And some of our favorite music and mountain biking memories We forgot a super important song Kaz, frickin' Orca by Winter Sleep in the Stevie Smith section on Seasons.
2: Yeah, Yeah, that's a good one. I didn't know that. Like, I didn't know that was the name of it, but I can definitely picture that segment now, and and picture. I can hear the song in my head when I do that. Yeah, Yeah. that's a good one. Yeah,
0: that is that's such a good song. That's one of the few mountain bike sections that give me goosebumps for sure. Henry,
1: you know, I saw a comment last week. I can't remember the user, but they referred to me playing my music out loud as (laughs) sodcasting. (laughs) which i thought was pretty good
0: that is pretty good i wish we remember that that guy's name but there you go that's a good comment all right this week's podcast is brought to you by level nine sports born in the Wasatch mountains of utah level nine sports prides itself on providing value and expertise for mountain bikers of all ability levels with plenty of bikes components apparel and accessories in stock they have everything you need for the trail. Shop level9sports.com or visit one of their four stores in Utah today. Kaz, how about some news? All right. Well, we still have
2: plenty of value field test content rolling out. And the most recent one, or one of the most recent ones with that Kona process 134, um, It was $2,600 is the least expensive process in Kona's catalog. So we tested it down there in Tucson. On paper, it was promising, but there was one, you know, one component spec choice that didn't, really work out and those are the alhanga brakes so if you haven't heard of alhanga we hadn't either but they're kind of a an off-brand just an off-brain brake offering they do use shimano pads and parts apparently um but i don't think switching all that stuff out would have helped their performance so that kind of ended up holding the bike back or didn't hold the bike back that was the biggest talking point about that
0: one
1: um yeah
0: you think that bike would have been better if it came with better brakes levy oh yeah for sure i think that the bike, like, it almost didn't get a fair enough shake on some of those descents because I don't think Alicia and I were comfortable enough on the descents to be pushing it and feeling things, you know? I We were just thinking about the brakes so much, to be honest. Kaz we should we should talk about those brakes for just one more second were they a replacement for parts that kona couldn't get like did the bike was it supposed to have shimano brakes and it didn't because of supply chain issues corona blah blah blah
2: yeah exactly yeah it was supposed to have different brakes than those and then they couldn't get them so they obviously wanted to get the bikes to dealers rather than just having them sit partially assembled so they went with the hongas um, and so that's that's how you end up with those
0: yeah Kaz, you sound really, you sound interesting right now. Kez has yeah, a interesting voice today. Yeah,
2: people can't <laughs> see. I can barely see it in my eyes because I have allergies or something, but I have an amazing <laughs> new super voice. super high, everybody. Yeah. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> I have very squinty eyes, but I have a sweet voice, so enjoy it. Uh, yeah, moving on in the news, though, we've got a video from Joe Barnes. Uh, he put together a little how-to of how to make your own heated grips. I remember him seeing this, him do this over the last few years, and now he put together a little step-by-step uh, tutorial. You can make your own for around 45 euros. And actually made me want to try it in the winter. I don't luckily heated grip season's over here now, but any of
0: you guys ever tried heated grips? He looks like he did a pretty good job. No, hell if I need heated grips, I'm not riding my bike. But good for everybody else, super keen on doing that. I realize other people live in places where they might need to keep their hands warmer, but You do too. I have
2: Yeah. Like, well in the wintertime your hands would get cold if you didn't have his heated grips.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. No, yeah. good for him. And my hands get super cold all the time, but when they get cold I just I just wait till it's warmer and then I ride. It, it's warmer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's really neat though, and it's. He actually said too, guys, that he he used this in a couple races where it was really cold. And I think back to racing in like terrible conditions and how nasty and cold and shitty I felt. And yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense for racers. And it looks like a pain in the ass. So he had a whole different handlebar setup. But yeah, it was neat. Yeah, it looks like pain, but I'm gonna try
2: it because. I hate winter gloves more than most things. I'm like more than the thick. I hate the thick gloves. Mm-hmm. I'd rather wear thin. I do wear thin gloves all year round. But if I had heated grips in the winter, that'd be pretty sweet. So next year, I'll work on it. Yeah, that'd be pretty
0: sweet. Henry, you like riding in terrible conditions. Is this something mm-hmm. that you would do? Have you used heated grips? What is your solution for? Ooh, I this? run
1: really hot, so for me, I can't imagine that being a problem. I mean, I, I, I like Kaz. Really dislike thick gloves, so I normally take like <laughs> say if I'm doing a ride in the rain. I'll take like three pairs of gloves with me to have a fresh pair of gloves for each run because I hate when they get really soaking through and your hands start going cold. So I normally like climb gloveless and then have like bring out another pocket's worth of gloves for the descent if it's really, really, really wet.
0: Yeah. Ryan, what about yourself?
3: I know you like to tinker. Are you going to would you make something like this or I think this is a cool idea. I mean, I also like Henry run kind of hot, so um, I don't usually have too much of a problem with cold hands. Um, and I've like developed this trick over the years. I can't remember where I learned it, but just like living in the Pacific Northwest for so long, um, I wound up, what I do is I carry like surgical gloves with me Mm. and I wear those underneath my riding gloves when, and, and it like, you know, you kind of sweat in those things. They're not breathable whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um, but like you can kind of wear a thinner, lighter weight glove and have the like dexterity that you need. Um, with the surgical gloves underneath and you can kind of wear like an, you can wear like a non-waterproof glove and your hand will be, you know, pretty like it's it's protected from the wind. It's protected from the cold. So it's kind of a cool little trick. Yeah. That's a really good idea. I wish I
0: ran hot. I'm cold right now. I'm cold every day of my life basically. (laughs) So I feel like, I feel like heated grips should, should be right up my alley, but I'll probably buy them. Yeah. When when
1: we were testing in Pemberton, I think for down country field test, it wasn't, you were in like seven mesh, like, Biblong's, riding or not yeah. we were down at the restaurant insulated. <laughs> <laughs> insulated. insulated yeah i was yeah. freezing
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i don't i don't understand why i'm always cold but i think we should also do a diy podcast at some point in the near future i watched joe's video and i think that would make a great podcast so if you've got any that'd be fun do-it-yourself questions put them down below and we'll do that in the future anyways kaz there's a chris king wheel set Apparently. Yeah, new new Chris King wheel set. It's actually been out a little
2: bit, but I think they just started making their marketing push this week. Um, they're using that fusion fiber technology from a company called CSS. So it's the same um, kind of thermoplastic layup that rims from revel and Evil are using, and I think there might be another company or two using them too. But they got a lifetime warranty, 100% recyclable. Um, recyclable doesn't actually mean they're going to turn them into new rims, though. That always needs to be stated. They can. It's more of a downcycling, so you can turn them into like chop the fibers up and maybe make stems or other tire levers or something like that. Um, let see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually Palmer has a set of these. I wonder if right? they're
3: going to do that though. Yeah. I have a set. I have, a, I have these, the Revels and the evils. So I'm going to be doing like back to back to back sort of testing with those and see sort of how they've all sort of made them a little bit different from one another. You know what I want to read in that
0: review, Ryan is, if any of these companies have actually recycled any rims <laughs> you know or yeah. if they have the ability to or if like it's in the works even like it's one thing to say it this is this can be recycled and turned into tire levers
3: or stems or whatever but are they gonna or have they i don't know i don't think so but. yeah i mean that's a like recycling's a big issue like regard uh, regardless of what we're recycling it's kind of an issue right now um where you know, it's, it's all about follow through. Like you can say something's recyclable, but you you need to actually follow through and do it. So we'll see.
2: Yeah. I mean, Chris King, to be fair,
3: has got a really good track record as far as not mm. using, like not
2: being too wasteful for manufacturing process and stuff. So if anybody's going to have a program, yeah. it's going to be Chris King, I think.
3: Yeah. 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 They do lots of aluminum recycling and all that stuff over there, don't they? Like, Yeah. 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 They recycle all their chips that the machines produce from their parts and they use like a vegetable oil or something to for lubrication.
2: Yeah, they have like a recirculating oil kind of catch thing that goes around like the top of the the facility. Like it's all pretty yeah. Pretty well thought out down there. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll wrap wrap the news up with the uh kind of a not quite bike related news, but it's a news thing that we posted on Pig Bike. New York City Fire Department issues warning following series of e bike and e scooter lithium ion battery fires. So there's been some more battery fires. I think most of these are from the kind of crazy contraptions like the Mad Max scooter and electric
0: motorcycle things that people are making. But
2: um, yeah, be careful with batteries, everybody.
0: I have a question. Mm -hmm. There were a bunch of comments under that about these e-bikes being out in the forest and being fire hazards. And (laughs) it doesn't sound like that's a concern to me, though, because these things are catching fire like when they're being charged and stuff they're not just like spontaneously combusting and they're not even e-bikes they're weird things yeah And think also if your right? e-bike
2: and if your e-bike spontaneously combusted you would in the woods you'd likely be on it so you'd probably put it out like a lot of these fires happen when the people charge their batteries and then they leave and then it catches their garage on fire or something you know like years ago mark weird his house burned down because his lithium ion batteries from his uh, rc cars popped and then they burned yeah. his house down so hmm. yeah like the whole yeah that's just a fake not fake but it's a irrational concern that e-bikes are going to blow up in the woods and catch the woods on fire like they also allow cars to drive in the woods and those have yeah. exhaust pipes that get really hot and those light things on fire too so there's other you can that's not the right tactic to try to get rid of e-bikes if that's the route you're trying
0: to go down <laughs> yeah yeah i used to have a bunch of fancy rc car stuff and they had lithium-ion batteries and you'd put the batteries in a like a fireproof bag when you're charging them or when mm-hmm. you're not using them um, which was super scary. Like I was in, a, I was living in an apartment at the time, and I remember like going on trips and stuff, and thinking about like, if I have to put this thing in a fireproof bag, like maybe I shouldn't have it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
2: <laughs> yeah. And then also, if anyone, I don't know if any of you guys have been to New York City in the last few years, but it's crazy. The e-bikes there, are like e thing scene, is nuts because all the delivery drivers, like the people that used to be using bikes to commute or e-bikes to deliver, you know, Doordash and that stuff, they're all on these like super souped up e-bikes but they're really just like electric motorcycles that they've done crazy things with and they go so fast and they're everywhere it's like it's so chaotic i kind of like it and i bet if i lived there i would hate it but it's just they're all going the wrong way on the one-way streets and on the sidewalks like it's a crazy scene
1: i think i think that's the premise for fast and furious nine it's like vin diesel on an e-bike commuter that he's jazzed up (laughs) <laughs> you have the Rock. He comes in. He's on an e-scooter, and they're like, "We're gonna do pink slips at dawn." And they've got like you know delivery backpacks on. I'd watch it. I I love all <laughs> that really stuff. On
3: drifts around the corner. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah just... All those weird
0: bikes and weird contraptions that people make. It's it's like transportation democratized. You know, like they it lets people a lot of people that can't afford or not or aren't able to drive cars for whatever reason they can get something that can get them around town. I don't know. I wish it was more open for people to do whatever the heck they wanted. As we're talking about e-bike fires. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Whatever. Be careful with
2: batteries.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Put your strange contraption in a fireproof bag. Okay, people. I think there's a thing about, there's a thing I was reading about it a little bit because I, I have like six e-bikes right now in the garage and I'm like, uh, what do I do if one of these things catches fire? And, that i've heard that you like a keeping like a bucket of sand so you could like throw the battery in like into sand because you're not supposed to use like liquid to try to put it out apparently oh. I haven't done enough research on this. So I shouldn't be broadcasting these. You should, you should do a test. right? A bucket of sand is a thing that's supposed to work to put, put these out. So I'm just pick my flaming e-bike and run to the beach. <laughs> like, yeah, run to
2: the beach and toss
3: it. <laughs> ah! throw
0: yeah. it in the ocean. calves. two birds with one stone. You're
3: uh, yeah. done.
2: And that's how you recycle carbon fiber too. Is what we set. Yeah, exactly. It'll. Uh, it'll,
0: it'll, it'll uh, everybody, come to us something. with your questions. <laughs> <laughs> okay, speaking of questions, we're going to move on. Uh, This is from a pink bike user. I can't quite pronounce his name. It looks like something from Britain, though. Um, He wants to know, is it just me or does it seem like bikes just aren't designed for heavier people? He says he's 6'3", 215 pounds, and he seems to have so many reliability problems with bikes compared to friends who are 5'11 and 170-ish pounds. He says he goes through brake pads all the time. Uh, he says he's constantly glazing over rotors from overheating. Uh, a month ago, he had his rear shock replaced under warranty. Um, anyways, this big guy, he's having all sorts of troubles. Now, Kaz and I are not the biggest of people. Ryan, you are larger than us. Can you speak to
3: this at all for us? My biggest problem is brakes. Like living in Bellingham, where things are steep. Uh, I Some of the more extended descents, I would definitely like you know, run out of brakes. The like the codes, for instance, with two hundred rotors are not strong enough for me. I, when I moved when I moved to two twenties, that that was much better. Yeah, um, but yeah, like definitely, I go through more rotors uh, than I did when I was a lighter person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've not always been this heavy. <laughs> Um, but I'm like, I'm like 200 pounds right now. And, uh, yeah, like I don't, I don't break wheels. Like I think I'm a a more of like a fluid rider. I've been riding my whole life and learned how to ride on hardtails. So I think I'm like, I know how to like sort of save the bike and I'm a mechanic. So I don't want to like wreck the thing, Mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, a big, definitely brakes are the biggest issue for me. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. And I think, and he, you know, this, this, uh, this guy is right that I think bikes are designed for lighter middle not not super heavy riders just because they kind of try to find that balance between you know on the floor is a light bike and and mm-hmm. then you know he's like kind of hit some points but i think he's taking the right tactic at least like he's already got heavy casing tires and you know he might want to go for some inserts if he's going through rims with like like there's no tomorrow you know his bike might need to be more beefed up than like what i could get away with so i think that's something to keep in mind and we do have an article in the works it's i'm not exactly sure when it's going to come out but um, we've got taj on it taj has been kind of running into similar Similar questions and issues, you know, Taj is relatively new to mountain biking, you know, professional BMXer, but now he's running through the same thing where fork issues, suspension issues. So he's kind of trying to figure out what to do and what the best uh, solution is. So he's been asking a bunch of companies like, hey, what do I do? I'm a big guy. What do you have for me? So that article should be coming out um, in the future.
0: I think suspension is also a big one there. I mean, forks, you can pump them up real hard and go from there, but rear suspension, when you're dealing with leverage ratios and air sprung shocks, have you ever run into any issues with that Ryan or can you explain what the issues might be for us?
3: Yeah. I mean, i i run at, you know, sometimes depending on the leverage rate of the bike, I'm up on the upper end of like what the max thing says on the shock, you know? Um, and I'm like, sometimes I'm like, man, I'm like, is this going to blow up on me? And then you know, I, I don't, if somebody is like 250, you know, they're going to potentially be above the, the like, you know, air rating limit of the shock. Right. Mm-hmm. I think like the DHX2 is like 350 or 300, 300 PSI or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been up around like the, you know, 260, 270 range, I think PSI wise. So yeah, it's definitely like getting up there. And, um, I've never had a shock blow up, but I have like, I have a, a specialized Levo and I've gone through two shocks on so far, mm-hmm. but I think that bike is a little bit like it likes to go through shocks.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely bigger, bigger guys should consider
3: a shock tune, a different shock tune. Hey. Or like a more durable, you know, suspension setup. I mean, sometimes you have to spend quite a bit of money to do that, which is unfortunate. Like EXT makes shocks that are really durable. Um, And they're like, they're, you know, designed specifically for like heavy riding. Like they they make an e-bike shock that you could put on a normal bike too. That it's just like, Mm -hmm. it's made for durability. You can just beat the shit out of it. Mm -hmm. There you go. All right. Our next question is from Hayes Gray.
0: This one Henry, this one's kind of for you. He says, "I don't think there was mention of bone conducting headphones in last week's podcast. He says the bass is non-existent, but at least you could hear what's going on around you." So, I had no idea what these things were, but they apparently sit on part of your sit on part of your cheekbone and the vibrations are what give you the music. And obviously then you could hear through your ears still while still getting some of the music, I thought that would be, well, a lot of people in the comments actually said they're great for riding because you can still hear what your bike is doing while you also hear the music. Henry, have you heard of these?
1: Well, I mean, I've got like the puffy cheeks of a chinchilla, so I don't know if they'd get to my cheekbone through like (laughs) an inch of insulated seal fat. But um, providing that they did, I have heard of them. Honestly, I mean, yeah, I mean, there are so many solutions like that I could do to not. To not ruin everyone's Sunday afternoon by playing well, my music in the woods. That's
0: not what I meant. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're ruining anybody's day.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're totally right. You, you could get them. For me, I just like the simplicity of, like, I want to ride my phone when I ride because of, yeah, because in, you know, when I, because I don't carry tubes or anything and when I puncture, I need to give you give a ring, right? Jesus. Um, <laughs> He's not joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I don't know. I just want to just have as minimal things as possible. So I normally yeah. take like a cereal bar and my phone, and that's it. You know. Yeah. Anyways. And the cereal bar is only in case I get into some kind of like bartering system where I need a tube. Come <laughs> in the woods. <laughs>
0: I'll trade you three
3: Nutri-Green bars for your one tube. <laughs>
1: yeah, pretty much. Hey. uh,
3: I had ex- I've I've used these things before. Oh. Some, somebody sent me a, a pair of them once, and uh, I didn't get through a ride with them. I th- it, the the commenter is right. Like the sound quality is terrible. Um, I think it probably be okay for podcasts. Like if you're just listening to podcasts and do, it's just voice stuff, then maybe it's okay. But it's, it's really like it, it's troubling because it's kind of like echoey and weird. Like it's not like you're listening to it's weird. It's like very disconnected. Um. So they, did, they definitely didn't get the job done for me. I, I mean, I think there's cooler technology to be honest. Like there's pass through technology with a lot of, you know, your ear, earbuds and stuff nowadays where you can like put them in path through mode and you can just hear what's going on around so, you. I pasta, have no idea what that bud. is. Pasta? What kind pa- of pass, pass through pen pasta. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You like stick made pasta stick pasta in yeah. your ears and then it, it works really yeah. good because they're like hollow, you know, so you uh-huh. can stick them in your ears and you can,
0: uh,
2: that'd be on our DIY episode. We'll talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody stay tuned. <laughs>
0: All right, so maybe the bone-conducting headphones aren't the answer anyway, but Henry will keep listening to his music the way he does, and I'll keep riding with headphones, and we'll go from there, I guess. All right, on to today's discussion about road trips and why we love them so much, even when everything goes south and you end up with a broken ankle, a bunch of open wounds, no travel insurance, and you're a few thousand kilometers from home with only $20 in your bank account. That's a story for later on in this podcast, though. Henry what is it about loading up bikes and friends to hit the road be it just for a day trip or a month-long adventure that feels so damn good why do we why do we all love mountain bike road trips
1: i don't know i think doing anything with um at least for a limited amount of time but that only has a sole purpose can be really liberating because it kind of cuts the tether to your normal life i think um i think for me that that's what's so good about it right you know you just it's like reality is suspended and for the time you're on the road like nothing matters you'll find yourself eating weird things riding your bike just as your like you know your sole purpose and um oh it's so much fun like you wake up in the morning and the only thing you've got to do is ride it's just just the best yeah
0: yeah it's it's adventure like for me it reminds me of when i was young and i had a bike and i could disappear all day and i would end up like two towns over or somewhere I've never been before. It's that sort of freedom, but it's, it's much more because you're driving obviously and still, still just as much fun. Cause you're out there riding Palmer. What is it about new
3: trails? That's so great. It's just, I mean, it's really fun to explore all the different like variety of terrain that's out there. I mean, it's, there's such a huge breadth, you know, like w- we publish a lot of stuff from the Pacific Northwest and we like to t- tell people how amazing it is up there. And it's great. You know, but like riding in the desert is insanely fun too. you know, if you've never been to Moab or, uh, Sedona, I mean, Sedona is like a magical place. That's like nowhere else, you know, to experience that stuff is just really, really interesting. Like you might be an expert rider somewhere on some terrain and then you get to a different terrain and you are a total noob and it's really fun to like learn new stuff, you know, keep it interesting. Yeah, yeah. you know, like broaden your your skill range and stuff. Yeah, I would I would
0: agree with that. It's crazy how, like, we all ride here in the Pacific Northwest and and pretty decent riders, you know. But you you touched on it there. When we go somewhere else, where the terrain is different, where the ground is so different, you can just get your ass handed to you. It's it's like a completely different sort of thing, isn't it, Kaz?
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, like every year we go to Sedona or somewhere like that. And you kind of have to get your desert feet back under you. Like, oh yeah, now I remember how to do this weird slow speed chunky stuff. Or there's no magical berms, and if you crash, you're gonna get hurt, <laughs> and you can't just land in like a pile of soft ferns. So, yeah, it's great to just you know mix it up. And you know, a lot of times, depending on where you live, sometimes if you're snowed in in the winter time, you can start going out to the desert a little bit earlier. So, like when I used to live in Colorado, we'd go to Moab because that was the first place that would dry out. So like, oh, it's Moab time. It's springtime. It's time to get the bikes out and.
3: Go on a road trip and head out there. It's awesome. Kaz, we both um, grew up on the East Coast, learning how to ride, like, you know, on lady, technical, weird hiking trails and stuff uh, in New England. And then we both moved to Gunnison, Colorado, and and, uh, started riding at, like, Hartman Rocks. And do you remember what it was like to go from riding on, like, dirt and granite and stuff to, like, this, like decomposed granite kitty litter scenario <laughs> oh, yeah it's Getting so all drifty and stuff <laughs> yeah and there's no trees like when i first moved to gunnison i was like wait why
2: are there no trees i thought it was like the rocky mountains are gonna have lots of big tall beautiful trees and it's yeah for people that haven't been there it's high desert like sagebrush kind of scrub oaky like there's no trees you're just out there so it's very different awesome place but yeah it's a uh, it takes a bit so yeah it's great to just travel
0: and see where what everything else is like mm-hmm. henry you're from the United Kingdom. I am. Do you ever go through the channel? Did you ever go through the channel and road oh, trip talk to around Europe? The
1: don't talk about the channel. <laughs> Have I you go ever heard of the it? English Channel Tunnel, which is a, such a more dignified name. The channel is just, it just sounds like slang for something not particularly polite. Yeah, it's but, slang um, for the tunnel under the channel. Yeah. <laughs> Shortens it up. It's great. No, I had some, um yeah, I had some good road trips in Europe, I suppose. I mean, I don't know. I think... um I tell you what, one that I like for me, like the definitive road trip (laughs) was me and my friend picked me up when I was living in Lazar. We went to like Lake Garda, we went to Val de Sol World Cup, might have been World Champs that year. No, there was the World Cup. And then we went and lived in a multi story car park in Sousy Do for like a week. And it was, it's it's a big ski resort that's completely empty. So we were just like, we could go to a campsite, but we could sleep in a multi story car park. And it was (laughs) fantastic. I remember, oh my God. so we were just eating like basically just crisps and cereal and just like as cheap as we could and one day we thought we're gonna have a cooked meal right we're gonna get one of those little portal barbecues that comes in like an aluminium tray and uh and we <laughs> we cooked up these sausages and i'm like probably like 30 meters away and this one guy's just finishing up cooking the sausages and he takes the tray of sausages which is on like um on little legs and he moves them just above where the uh, where the hot coals are kind of on the side and then he thinks to himself hmm i can't let these hot coals die out on their own terms i should definitely piss on them oh <laughs> so he's just like urinating on these hot coals which are just billowing pissy oh. steam right through the sausages <laughs> how were the sausages were they tasty <laughs> what did he eat no i was just there like lee lee well i shouldn't mention his name i was there like mate <laughs> Just they're just piss sausages now, like we can't eat them. Oh. They're just, it was so foul.
0: I feel like though it's on a road trip, anything goes. You could almost have eaten those sausages, it would have been fine. Yeah,
1: maybe we could. We didn't, but it was a pretty bad man. Yeah. <laughs> oh.
0: Wow, I remember a, a story, Henry, where you were hiding in a truck from police. Oh, for yeah. for hours and hours and then you for like hours. jumped out of the truck and ran into the bushes. Can you remind us of yeah. that
1: one again? Oh basically, um so I was on the working for the team I was on the World Cup circuit and our we basically we had this just this fabled trip going to Fort William and we had a tire explosion and uh it took like thirteen hours at the side, no, I think it was nine hours at the side of the road to get it fixed. Then driving back down <laughs> back down to europe and basically a couple of us were given the task and they said don't so when you go on like the ferry from say newcastle to belgium there's like the upstairs it's like the chockman's disco it's like the chockman's ball it's like and we were under strict instructions not to let the driver go to the disco because we couldn't get you know couldn't get all drunk and we failed miserably so <laughs> so he leave the next day like he's feeling a bit worse for wear but even though he's all good we kind of have a couple of hours and we're already running late because of this and then we have another tire explosion which cost us 13 hours sat by the side of a motorway and then we 14 finally hours get hours to change a tire well yeah because you gotta get the guy to come out and our air spring oh, i think yeah. our air suspension was broken or something it's anyway. a big truck yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah oh yeah it's like a however many ton it is and um and then yeah then we just got pulled over by a random german checkpoint and i was sleeping in the back of the truck which is completely different it's like a lorry, like I don't know, like forty tons or something. I'm definitely not allowed to be in there, and um, and we get pulled over by a random checkpoint, and they say that our truck's too tall by like five centimeters or something for German roads, mm-hmm. and um, and I just have to hide in there until until they let us out, and um, and I'm like got my ear to the window listening to this conversation, and I mean, minute's going on for hours, and then eventually they say, you know, the German police say, well, we're actually a fan of mountain biking ourselves. Can we can we have a look inside the truck? And I'm just like, oh shit. shit. <laughs> So I like hide behind the side of a mattress and they come and literally there's like a thin like Hessian curtain and they're like 30 centimeters away from me and we would have gotten in big trouble. And um, eventually they went out as they left the dormant on the other side of the truck. I just sprinted and just went and hid in a bush for like another two hours. It was so shit.
0: <laughs> Henry, wow. have, have most of your European trips, have they been work related things like that where you're a mechanic going to a race or when you were young, did you ever like load up your reliant robin and drive out of britain to no, spain I, I for can't winter say
1: i did no i actually never reliant robin i had a point nine liter suzuki swift which was oh, <laughs> in some ways even nice. more pathetic <laughs> <laughs> well definitely handled no, for, better <laughs> yeah for me it, um it was when i started working in europe either like just doing seasons or or for teams i started tripping either like you know maybe before or after etc
0: yeah yeah okay all right well I think one of my favorite memories, probably my dumbest road trip that I did. Jeez, I mean, we did this many, many times. Of course it involves my buddy Wayne. I have to, just have to warn everybody that all my road trip stories involve my buddy Wayne. Uh, Kaz, you've heard of Seven Summits in Rossland? Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm sure Palmer, you have too. Henry probably hasn't because he's mm-hmm. from Britain. But uh, it's a great trail, like this big, long thing over seven mountains. That's why they called it Seven Summits. You know, it could take like three to five hours or whatever. Um, and Wayne and I would drive from Chilliwack to Rossland, six hours one way. We would ride this trail and then we would turn around and drive home. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were, we did great. it many, many, many times, like many, many, wow. many times. Yeah. It was ill-advised for sure. Like to drive home was very quiet and yeah one time I crashed and I bent a fork and bent two wheels and unseated a tire and like did all this stuff and like and then we had to drive home and I had like broken ribs and anyways oh my god do you guys have any like have you ever done anything like that where you've driven like super far just to ride one trail or something
2: yeah I mean like every when I was living in Colorado we started every summer we'd go to Whistler to to ride bikes because Whistler's always been like the place But we drive. (laughs) Yeah, it's a 24-hour drive and we obviously wouldn't stop. So we'd have two or three of us Mm -hmm. and we'd just go straight and never... Like, you just have to go until the tank runs out. And so you get your tank and then you next person goes next person goes and it's so brutal like you start going through idaho and like eastern washington and it's just nothing and you just go and go the
0: 15 up through idaho shoot me oh it's so rough and then you get out
2: like when you finally get there you get out and then we had this buddy that lived up there and he would always take us to the gnarliest trail to start so like we'd show up in pemberton and just go to the top of gravitron this is back in the day when that was like the trail and he'd be like welcome to canada here we go we're just like oh okay here we go and it's just like oh drop in bitches yeah like showing up on the shore and like riding pink star fish in the rain as like your first thing like it was awesome like i definitely those road trips were great i used to i'd skip the first week of college sometimes to go on those road trips i'd be like i don't need to go the first week nice. of school and i'd come back like a week late. like like oh, i was just busy couldn't make it but yeah they're worth it. that's yeah. why i ended up well, moving That's just here when you I find got... your locker and stuff anyway so who cares <laughs> your college locker yeah
0: <laughs> no but
2: then but that's why i moved up here because i didn't want to do the road trip anymore it was too much driving so i was like i'll just go to the town that's the closest to whistler yes. that's in the u.s and that's how i ended up in Bellingham.
0: Oh, that's, that's
3: amazing. I actually, Kaz, um, well, I used to drive team rigs as well. And we used to have to go from uh, the World Cup and Mount Sinan in Quebec, which is all the way on the eastern seaboard, to straight to Whistler. Um, and Crankworks would start like the following week. So we'd have to be there like on Thursday or something to set up. So like Sunday to Thursday and it's, I mean, it's, it's like, it's basically as far as you can go across the country. It's like over 3000 miles and I would drive it by myself with this huge rig, you know, towing like a 20,000 pound rig um, and like dip out of Canada, go across the U S and then go back into Canada. And I mean, it would take me, I think I did it in three, three days, but it's like, basically you don't <laughs> stop. You're stopping for maybe a, so far a two hours. Yeah, it's incre- it's so far, and it's definitely like we were definitely breaking <laughs> whatever. Yeah, I was going to say like logbook rules. You were we we're supposed to be doing. We were fudging the logbooks for sure.
1: A lot of the World Cup teams that have their vehicles registered as motorhomes, they don't have a taco fitted, so you can just drive them for like twenty-two hours a day. Yeah, which is obviously not not good. But were you on a taco or were you just? Uh, what was I'm sorry, a taco that question? Like a so, burrito? Were you on a taco like a? What do you call them? We call them tachometers, like attack, on, attack, on, no, like attack, a, attack. Uh, Oh, yeah.
3: right, yeah, uh, no, yeah, uh, like the things <laughs> that like keep track of
1: how many tacos is he we eat. don't know how have is that that okay. Okay. Well, we not okay, okay.
3: We, I stopped for lots of tacos but I, you know I don't know how that relates yeah. to the story Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of crunch wraps yes <laughs> 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 yeah. no there was no like governing technology Europe had that way before we did in, in the US I think that it definitely exists now but back then there was no like there was no governing Thing. And I in our like in our European rigs we had those and like we'd get pulled over sometimes and um they would like take the little card out of the vehicle and put it in their their cruiser to run it and see what you're up to. I think they could even give you a speeding ticket or something.
1: Weird. Oh <laughs> gosh. I remember one time. I think it was going I think it was going into Croatia. We got pulled over in this massive race truck and they're just asking us all the questions, where have you been, where are you going, etc. And it's kind of sometimes hard to explain because people don't conceptually know that mountain biking World Cup series is a thing. And so you kind of mm. try and explain the most basic terms. And then we're kind of doing this and it's all quite a formal conversation. And this lady just kind of spins and turns and just shouts at me, Do you have any marijuana? <laughs> <And> I <laughs> Yes just, I do. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so do you just, mean? <laughs> I just Yeah. So I just laugh and this police lady's like why are you laughing are you high and I'm there like oh my god like, this is so intense <laughs> and so we, we talk him down and then um, anyway eventually we're kind of like you know everything's good and we leave and then the driver just like a hard left and basically the side of the truck just destroys the side of this, this police station as it like comes on the edge like oh, no. all along this arm barrier like takes out the side of the truck and we're just like oh my god and um, it was all like luckily because it was all like like high metal barriers so basically we took the brunt of the bat damage but we just like drove <laughs> i think that's a hit right at a police tense. station <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh man i remember this i have this one story i was just hired on as a team mechanic for this big team and i was young i was like 22 23 maybe um and uh i'm supposed to be driving down to waco Te- texas it's like the first race of the season some XC race and I've got, I've like just adopted this like big, massive rig. It's like a three axle trailer uh, with a fifth wheel towing behind like a big pickup truck, you know? And uh I like, I'm like maybe an eighth of a mile away from the office about to like go on the highway. I'm, I'm making a 90 degree corner, making like a right. And some lady snuck in on the right side of me because I had to take it wide, you know, to clear the curb. And so she sneaks on the right side of me and I cut the corner and I, hit, I hit her with the trailer and no. I'm like, Oh great. Like brand new job. I'm like, I'm definitely fired. Like you could literally see the office from, <laughs> from where I was <laughs> at the time. I'm like I've already, I've already crashed the rig, <laughs> but like I get out. So I get out uh, the truck and I'm freaking out. I'm like, Oh my God, this is gonna be terrible. And I don't know how it happened, but like the tires of my trailer hit the tire of her vehicle and did zero damage to either vehicle zero damage cool. i was like wow. but it moved her car like it actually shifted it on the road like it was like a pretty good impact but th- like there was uh, there was not even like paint scratches it was it was miraculous and then she was out she just backed up and i got in and kept going but it was like the scariest moment <laughs> sure.
0: kaz do you remember when my starter died in the delica in sedona and rc fixed it with well first he started it with a screwdriver and then he, he added that remote trigger start like a fighter jet thing yeah, it was so good. Yeah, he fixed it with like a, a tiny multi tool.
2: It's like, oh, I don't know how to hotwire things. And he just gets it going. Like we thought we were gonna be out there for it's a like, long what? time. RC so just like, oh yeah. It's yeah all fixed.
0: There there ain't no Delica starters in Sedona. No. <laughs> That's for sure. That van has seen some shit. I know Kaz, you've been you've done some trips with me in that thing. I've mentioned some trips before, but since we're talking about road trips, most of mine have been south from Fraser Valley from Chilliwack to either Virgin Utah or Sedona, which is 24 hours nonstop or 32 hours nonstop. I mm-hmm. think in the van. uh A lot of times we'd have to be like in our sleeping bags because the inside of the van would be frozen. There'd be like ice <laughs> on so the-, the windows and stuff. <laughs> and it goes like 16 miles an hour. <laughs> Well we also had that exhaust leak and it was funneling inside the back of right. the van. <laughs> yeah. And so eventually people some of my riding friends were refusing to come with me on trips if there was more than more than 2 of us because then someone has to Sit in the back of the van yeah, and man. feel really funny after a while, you know? Well, they get great sleep. Yeah, that's a yeah, exactly. sleeping section. Yeah, it's like, a special <laughs> sleeping compartment. Really, really long sleep, too. <laughs> but yeah, no, we used to drive down to the Red Bull Rampage site basically every year for 12 years. And then wow. I think the first year we did it, we went down there and I think we were both on hardtails for some fucking reason. And I tried mm-hmm. the Oakley. Uh, road gap the one where they parked that oakley truck under and it no. had been such a good trip i was i was feeling it you know i had some not confidence. the wade simmons one. we gotta
2: clarify it's not the wade simmons road gap it's the yeah uh, the one no not the big one like the with the, the truck underneath that him and cedric do yeah not the cedric one but not yeah. the one we're thinking not the bender one people are gonna think about the bender one like the big big one it's not that one. It's the normal. I don't know what that, that one do. is. Where, yeah. It was, it, it, it was
3: the Oakley truck, not the Marizocchi truck. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's nothing yeah. the Fender did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's this is in gap. Utah, right at, at the bottom of tail. the Mesa.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is in Grafton. And that's I, is, Grafton I had about, gap. that's it. Yeah. The Grafton Mirror gap. Yeah. And I had like only 70% of the speed that I needed, but I managed to hump my front tire over it. And I bent my steel frame, my steel profile cranks, and I broke my ankle And we had, I had no travel insurance. I had basically just enough money to just pay for enough gas to get home and like eating condiments and stuff. So I couldn't imagine doing that these days. Have you guys ever been like seriously injured on a road trip?
1: No, no. I know people that have like, they can't go to like certain countries or hospitals because they've got medical bills. there. Oh yeah. Yeah. I definitely know that. Yeah can't go there because yeah like we just legged after getting x-rays or something like that
2: yeah we, had, we had a buddy that i was gonna say we had a buddy that got hurt one time in canada he was skiing and got hurt and he had to go back to the u.s because he was like overstayed his welcome or whatever and obviously he'd like dished out on his hospital bills and things um but then all his stuff was up in canada so we had to pick his stuff up and bring it back over the border at one point but he was like a, a huge pothead and so we had to search through all of his like smelly st- ski gear and stuff just because we were crossing the border we're, like let me we're screwed if they find a joint or something so we had to like go through all this stuff. And we were
3: so sure we were still going to get busted (laughs) because it's like a pile of just like stuff, but we got back to them now. Yeah. Me and my friends used to do a road trip, um, to Whistler every year. Uh, We were, we were trying to make it like a regular thing. And and I think we, this might've been the third one. And on this one, we, we, uh, like another buddy of ours, we convinced him to join. And so it was like already kind of a tradition for the three of us, but we had this fourth guy come and, uh, make the whole trip go smoothly. We stack like a ton of bikes on the back, like all like four or five downhill bikes on the back of my like Audi wagon, totally weighed down, like exhaust pipe dragging on the ground through the border and everything. And, uh, get up there. Super psyched. go out for our very first run. And we're like, and I'm like, all right, guys, we're going to just do blue velvet. Just going to have a nice chill run. Right. Like, just take it easy. Like we have all week to be getting rowdy. The very first jump of the very first run on Blue Velvet, my buddy crashes and breaks his uh, collarbone, Ugh. like pretty badly. And so we like like oh great sweet. So we had to get him down to you know down to the bottom, and he goes to the hospital, and they don't let you leave until you pay your bill. Like at the the clinic in Whistler, like they will just sit there with you until you pay your bill. Oh, they're used to us dirtbag mountain bikers, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're like. You guys are covered, right? Like in Canada, if you're Canadian, you just go and get, get it taken care of, right? Well, it, if you're not from there, uh, they'll just make you pay. I broke my hand one time riding Whistler Bike Park. And like I actually had a co- uh, like a corporate card at the time and I charged it to my corporate <laughs> card because I was at work. <laughs> was yeah, bike <laughs> it was Bike Mag. It was Bike Mag. Thanks, Bike Mag. <laughs> Thanks, Bike Mag.
0: Uh, yeah, I just, I just drove home. <laughs> I didn't sleep for three days at extreme pain. and just drove home, and now I have lifelong problems. (laughs)
3: Uh, (laughs) There you go. My buddy ended up, like, doing the whole – like, he stayed the whole time and just, like, you know, smoked a bunch of weed and hung out in the hot tubs and stuff while we went riding. That sounds good. So he still had a decent time, but it was a real bummer. He has not been back to Whistler since then.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So here's a question. I, to be honest, never really consider, like – mountain biking and recreational marijuana enjoyment (laughs) to be like one and the same like they're not Mm -hmm. really linked to me but I feel in North America that's more more common right didn't that's a fair thing to say
0: yeah I think it's it's definitely in our culture way more like here in the Pacific Northwest I mean geez a lot of people I mean most people don't smoke when they ride but a lot of people just smoke casually yeah it's kind of tied Mm -hmm. in yeah yeah, that might be yeah. a good top podcast topic at some point too. Because <laughs> yeah. how long has it been legal here? Uh,
1: it's well, always legal. Not, should I, yeah, been, I, should mean. I be calling the police here, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't don't
2: backdate these stories. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. This isn't related to weed or to broken bodies, but it's related to broken cars. I had this Dodge Caravan, and so I was going to meet some buddies. They were going to head to Nelson, BC. They were driving up from somewhere else, and I was going to drive to Bellingham. It's like, maybe an eight-hour drive or so. I was all excited. I've got my all wheel drive Dodge Caravan. I'm going there. I'm going to finally ride Nelson. So I'm driving and driving, get to the eastern uh eastern side of Washington, and there's a place called Omac. It's a, just like a nothing town. There's nothing there. It's full desert, nothing. And all of a sudden, my transmission blows. Just like smoke is coming out. The, the mm. vehicle just like barely goes, and I'm creeping into town, and it's just all the way dead. And I was like, oh no, it's going to stink. Like, what am I going to do? Take it to a shop. And then they, they, they couldn't even look at it that day because it was like a Sunday. So I stayed in a what did i do i think i stayed in a hotel room super cheap because i didn't have much money it was like road trips always were like you used all the money you had to, just to do the road trip and that was all the money you had so this one so i was like stayed yeah. in a little really crappy hotel while i'm waiting for them to look at it they tell me it's gonna be like two thousand dollars to fix Like, definitely know two thousand dollars i don't even know if i paid two thousand for the van i was like well i'm stuck in omac but i want to go to nelson <laughs> so i took all my stuff I loaded I had like a one of those green army duffel bags, like the pretty big ones. So I loaded oh, all yeah. my stuff in that, got on my transition Grand Mall and started pedaling to the border. Like and then I hitchhiked. So I hitchhiked enough to I could get to the Canadian border.
0: How far and, was it?
2: Um it's not that far from the border, but like it took a couple rides for sure. So yeah. I, was, I got to the Canadian border, I was like, all right, I'm at the border, I can get to Nelson, like I'll just cross the border. So I walked across the border with my bike, this big bag on my back, and I'm there, and I start hitching, I was like, I can make it from here, wherever I cross the border, to Nelson, there's maybe, I was maybe like four hours away or something at that point. Canada's like, a big place. Nelson's yeah. farther like, oh, away than you know, that. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty good at hitchhiking, so I was like, I can do this, and I waited for like, the whole day, and turns out whatever town I cross, people won't pick up hitchhikers. It was the worst hitching experience I've ever had, because nobody would pick uh-huh. me up. I was so mad, like i was yeah and so it didn't work like i waited all day and no one's picking me up so i rode back across the border and i was like i'm just gonna start pedaling towards bellingham and eventually someone can pick me up so like i called my brother. was like all my stuff's like i'm done just come find me so i just started i was (laughs) mad so i just like got to my grandma with this huge pack on and just started riding through like washington (laughs) to go back which would have been another you know like i don't know five hours of driving so i just rode for like (laughs) all day long just suffering just to punish myself for having a broken vehicle uh, and then finally my brother picked me up and drove me back home and then they scrapped the vehicle because it was done and that's my story i still never ridden
0: nelson do you guys pick up hitchhikers when you're on road trips
2: depends uh,
3: how close i am to a correctional yeah. facility <laughs> that's yeah. a good answer <laughs> or like a mountain town or something you know like it's it's uh common in, in a lot of like small towns so if yeah. i'm like in a small town I, yeah, i'll definitely do it
1: something happened to me on a road trip last year i mean it's not it's not funny but it was a really crazy experience to be honest with you um me and my friend were road tripping around and we were staying in a campsite and i won't say where it was because of well you understand the story and um i woke up in the morning and this always gets quite dark so it might not go in but it was this really weird like spiritual sort of experience woke up in the morning and the whole there was just this blood curdling scream like that's what i woke up to i initially thought it was in my dream and uh and kind of waking up quite sort of disorientated I, I assumed there was a bear in the campsite that was my assumption just because you know right we've been riding in the alpine every day and we've been talking about bears a lot and what we'd do if we found a, we came across a grizzly and i think even maybe two three days prior um kicking horse we we saw the grizzly up close in, in its enclosure, you know, and so bears were kind of like on my mind, you know, and um basically that like in one lot over in this um caravan lot, this guy, this guy had hung himself and the person had found him. Ooh. And it was like, it was like this incredibly intense dose of, of reality, you know, and then we went riding and because we, you only we know we talked about only having one, one thing to do. And, so we went riding and we just did this long climb about a thousand meters we didn't really speak that much and then we just rode this like again don't don't say where it is because I don't want to like intrude on anyone's privacy but this very picturesque trail in the high alpine it was a beautiful day and we descended down to this lake and it was this it was like a pseudo we were both in a state of shock and it was this like really almost spiritual experience and it took kind of days and probably weeks actually to really sort of even though obviously I, I never met the chap, like he didn't, you know, I didn't know anything about him, but just to be that close to someone as, as something, something so, you know, desperately sad was happening. It took kind of weeks to come down and accept, but there's something very strange about, and it's kind of weirdly sort of comforting about only having that one one thing to do. And we were like, that was all we could do was just go ride. And it was just really, really weird, weird experience that was very surreal, but also yeah. it was, um, it was also to be honest, like it was quite a, yeah, it was quite a horizon expanding experience, I would say.
0: I'm not sure what to say now.
1: Yeah, I mean honestly it was gnarly. Like the yeah. I think there's that sp- I think is, you know, we are but just animals, you know? And um and hearing that woman screams is something that i like that's like in there, you know. Like yeah. it was it was pretty rough. Yeah.
0: I imagine that made that changed the complexion of the road trip for a while.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I mean we were both shocked yeah i mean mm-hmm. it was um it was really strange man i you know it was weird also to be like to see this huge amount of pain and, and suffering so close you know this woman was, was obviously distraught i believe she actually knew the guy and um and then it was like and we're gonna go do a leisure activity but what was funny mm-hmm. is that the leisure activity it took on a greater significance and um and i often talk about riding, riding being a bit like meditation mm-hmm. and uh yeah, it was like that going up and just thinking, you know, I mean, if I'm being really honest, I feel like we're just having a wild conversation here. Yeah. I think that we, you know, we all have mental health and I, previously in the couple of months I was going through a real bad spot and I remember thinking, and this sounds a bit morbid, but I remember thinking, I'm pretty stoked I didn't kill myself. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I was quite happy with that. Like it was, it was weird. It was like, fuck, that could have been me, man. That could have been my mum. And, uh. That was a uh, that was a sobering thought, and it was also a comforting thought in a weird way. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah I can see that. I have found, well, we didn't find, but we... sorry, I've
1: taken take this off on a very different tangent.
3: No, no, it's it's good. No, it's I good. think it's like it's like that. What are you, what else are you going to do in that moment? Like you've planned to ride, like follow through mm-hmm. with that, and like are you going to be like, well, that was a bummer. Let's go to the bar and drink or something. You know, like but, yeah, it's it's a pretty I, healthy way to like sit and meditate especially you go a thousand meter climb you're just like all right let's mm-hmm. you either think about it or you don't and either way you're you're kind of suffering through stuff
1: yeah but i think and sorry to, to jump in before you hear mike i was on a plane about six weeks ago and um i was sat next to this mormon missionary and this sounds like a set for a joke it, it wasn't it's it was just he was going he would just left home i'd had a connecting flight in georgia i believe and i believe he came from utah and he was going um the same place as me to do his to spread to spread the word right and i think in some ways he'd been sort of anticipating for this big trip and he wanted to sort of unload some of the you know his his lord's truth on me on the plane like he was he was bristling and ready to go and he said so where do you see yourself in 10 years and i I, was obviously like you know it's like almost like telemarketing he was reading it from the script you know that he'd prepared and i realized in that moment that I think honestly, like, we talk about all this existential threat and, uh, and all these ambitions and goals, whether that's money or, um, you know, acclaim or relationships. But ultimately, <laughs> it sounds dark, but like, I just said to this dude, honestly, man, if in 10 years I still haven't killed myself, fuck, I've been going all right, eh? Because I think actually, for us all, like, that is a big problem. And, uh, and, you know, the youngest, the biggest threat to a man under 35, I'm pretty sure is himself you know Mm -hmm. and um i mean i feel richer for all the experiences i've had with it and um not to go off on a a weird tangent and sorry if i have but uh yeah it's funny hey like that poor guy and that fucking he must have had a fucking rough night man and um yeah poor guy but yeah so i went off with a tangent that i hope i haven't um I hope I haven't brought down the mood. I think Levy, you were going to tell us about the time you had so many tackies, your stomach hurt. Do you want to lead in with that? <laughs> that's, uh,
0: that was an hour ago. <laughs> that's every, that's every day of my life.
1: Pretty much. And how to ruin a podcast with Henry Quinney. No, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do. I do Fuck. have
1: a couple more delicate
0: stories before we close up this podcast though. Uh, one of them, Kaz, I broke the throttle cable for that damn van you know that super twisty highway that goes into Flagstaff coming uh-huh. going north? At like three in the morning, we broke that throttle cable, and we ended up fixing it with a mountain bike shift cable, an Allen key, one bolt, and a brake adapter. And because you know me well, you're probably not surprised to hear that it stayed like that. And I sold it like that, like four or five yes. years later. No. <laughs> I told Genuine him about Shimano it. Genuine Shimano parts, baby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. great. And then uh, there was also the other time that I almost died. Uh, Wayne almost killed me. We, You guys know how overpasses, they, they freeze before roads do? Mm-hmm. We forgot about that. So I was sleeping I was sleeping in the back, not on a seatbelt. Like the back of the van was gutted and we just had like blankets laid down in a pillow. Wayne and I were, were, uh, were taking turns in the bed when we weren't driving. So I'm just laying down sleeping in the back. And Wayne decides to spin the van at 120 kilometers an hour over an overpass in uh, southern Washington. And he managed to keep it on the road. But I don't know if you guys know Delica's. They're oh. quite high. They're quite tippy. So we were on two wheels at one point and I had this huge, massive steel toolbox that probably weighed 60 pounds (laughs) and like sharp edges. I'm just laying in the back and I remember, I remember Wayne yelling, hold on, Mike, and us spinning and the toolbox being like three feet in the air beside my head. And I remember thinking like, oh, that's going to kill me. It didn't though. But
1: anyways, I've only just realized, Mike, that. I've fought for so long that his first name was my buddy and his second name was Wayne. But yeah. Wayne's his first name. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my buddy Wayne. <laughs>
0: have, uh, have you guys had some broken down vehicles or close calls Palmer on road trips?
3: My only, I don't have any, any that can match yours or Mike's. Um, but so I think my only real breakdown story is, uh, another, uh, kind of work scenario. I, I used to work for Mavic and I was towing like the whole rig home from the trade show in Las Vegas. And for Mavic home is Massachusetts. Uh, so it's a pretty long distance and I get out of Vegas and I make it to like Richfield, Utah or like 60 miles outside of Richfield, Utah before like one of the turbos on the engine blows. And, um, You know, after hours on the side of the road, I, they tow me into Richfield and Richfield's not a very big town and they, we take it to the shop and they're like, yeah, it's going to take a, like a week to get a new turbo in and have it installed. I'm like, oh, cool. Sweet. So I'm just stuck here. And I had, so, but I had like the whole, it was like a box truck that was also towing a trailer. Um, and in the trailer, uh. And the reason I mentioned Mavic in the first place is because you know how Mavic has like support vehicles and like they used to do neutral service and racing Um, well there was like the two BMW like GS motos in the back like the support rigs and I was like well like the truck's broken down and they've literally they like they had the truck at the shop and they I somehow got them to take the trailer and park it in the hotel I was staying in and so but I didn't know how to ride a motorcycle. Never, I've never ridden a motorcycle in my life before. Um, but on that trip, I, I learned how, <laughs> <laughs> cause I had no other option, but it was really fun. I was, I was just riding these support rigs all around, oh, thanks, two, like nice Beemer bikes. I was like, oh, thanks. I mean, yeah, I, I definitely could have gotten in trouble for that, but I didn't feel like I had much of a choice, so I just did it anyway. But it was funny. I was riding around with like all the kit, you know? was in also in the trailer because they were actually supporting a, r- a race out there just stalling and, it at uh, every stop sign just mavic motorbike yeah, really just wheels on yeah. the back it. it's all jerky like going on the highway like 40 miles an hour like a crosswind and like oh my god this is scarier than i thought it was. this is really sketchy we're like all dressed in yellow like the whole kit and yeah. the helmet and everything is yellow and it says mavic <laughs> all over it in a million places and i'm just like this billboard going down the road like a total goofball uh. but I had a good time. I had a good week learning how to ride motos. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right, everybody. We're going to wrap this up with comment gold. So this comment was under Alicia's article about how the New York fire department has issued a warning after they had a handful of e-bike and e-scooter fires from their lithium ion batteries. As you can imagine, there were a ton of funny comments in there, but I've picked this one from Pinker named Furious George as my personal favorite. He says about about the article and about e-bikes in general. <clears throat> I came for the limited fitness benefits, but stayed for the thermal runaway. But that's pretty good. Uh, one more from under the same article before we leave. This one is from Pinker Wake and Rake, who has an awesome name. Uh, so in the article, there's a photo of a crispy burnt Sheron electric thing, uh, and Wake and Rake. His comment is simply sure gone" instead of "Sheron." Sure you guys get it?
1: Nice. Okay. Good. Nice. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's it for episode
0: 119 about road trips. Uh, but if you've done some amazing bike trips, definitely let us know about them in the comments below. Maybe you're listening to this right now when you're on your own road trip, in which case, I'd recommend putting something else on, but to each their own. Tell us about some of your favorite road trip memories in the comments, and remember to subscribe and share the podcast with your people if you like what you heard, or even if you don't, that's okay too, just keep sharing it. Thanks everybody, and we'll see you next week.